It's actually uh, uh, also exciting. You'll be uh, having an opportunity to hear from uh, my senior pastor, uh, Mike Bryant, actually, uh, I think in a couple of weeks. I think he's also going to be coming down and filling in for Pastor Lucas, too. So you get a little bit of uh, the double whammy from us, uh, from Grace Community Bible Church up in Grays Lake. So um, it is a privilege to be back here this morning, though, and good to be with you. Uh, I am uh, grateful, again, to have the opportunity to bring you God's Word this morning. Um, I'm excited to help also uh, participate in... Uh, just as you guys are going through and walking through the Ten Commandments uh, and a great journey, I'm sure, through God's Word together uh, this summer. Well, if you would, please join me. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we're going to start in verse 8. You'll be spending a lot of time, I'm sure, in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, but we'll start in verse 8 and look at verses 8 through 11. And uh, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. We're going to take you to a few other passages in Scripture, so uh, you'll want to have a bookmark handy or something like that to keep you in Exodus 20, because we're going to fly around a few times in this morning's message, because the Sabbath is what we're talking about. The fourth commandment today uh, uh, is, is uh, relevant in actually many places in Scripture. You know, uh, one thing uh, in reflecting upon this message is, uh, and I don't think I even, I just think about this oftentimes, is that uh, anyone else feel the burden of working? Working a lot? I mean, like, seriously, like, I think we work a lot. Uh, Americans especially, we're finding ourselves, our workloads are increasing uh, more and more all the time each day. Whether you're involved in the marketplace and you have a job in the marketplace, uh, maybe even you're a student, uh, or even perhaps uh, even just at the home, we find ourselves more and more burdened and being overworked. Uh, and, and on top of that, it's not just being overworked and burdened, but also we're experiencing prolonged stress. Uh, anyone else feeling, like, pretty stressed out sometimes? Like, stressed out to the max. Uh, that's, it's, you're not alone. You're not alone because actually there's been a lot of recent studies done, uh, and, uh, they keep coming out with them that's saying, by the way, Americans, we're overworked. No duh. Uh, we experience prolonged stress. Yep, no kidding. And, uh, we're also very anxious people. And as a result though, that what they've discovered in these studies is that it's actually resulting in these devastating effects on our health. Devastating. As a matter of fact, because of our overworkedness and because of our burdens and because of the anxiety and the stress in which we exhibit all the time uh, within our weeks, uh, within the week, uh, we're experiencing uh, a greater increase in heart disease, a greater increase in obesity and diabetes, cancer, and of course, not even to mention the emotional side effects in which it causes us, meaning uh, outlashes at home with uh, being angry or experiencing even bitterness and perhaps even just plain old disengagement. I think as a result, we all feel this to some degree or another, uh, whether we feel like we're overworked or not. Um, I will tell you that this has been a personal struggle of mine. I'll tell you that um, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm just going to be honest, right? Uh, but I've, I've experienced this, and I continue to struggle with this to my, uh, this very day. My original career is actually not in pastoral ministry. This is actually a new calling that the Lord has called me to. I've been a Christian since 1996, but the Lord has called me uh, to full-time ministry. Uh, I am pursuing my master's uh, now because uh, I believe he's calling me to pastor more and more and to have opportunities like this to preach God's word to God's people and even to those who do not know the Lord. And, um, but my first career was actually in uh, television broadcasting uh, here in Chicago, and it's a high-stress environment. It's actually very competitive. And I was trained as part of my, as part of my uh, degree uh, originally is to, uh, you gotta need to work more, you got to work harder, and you got to make yourself no- more noticed uh, in order to get a job and to make it in this life. 
If you're a student, you experience this. I've never seen students have to work so much, uh, so frequently these days. Uh, unless you're homeschooled, you may, that may not apply to you, but um, I certainly know that a lot of the students that I've ministered to up at, in Grays Lake, that we experience that our students are constantly between the amount of time that they're in school during the year, the schoolwork that they're being handed every single night, uh, which is usually in the hours, then on top of that, if they want to be part of a sports team or a club, and then if, if you're old enough and you want to have a part-time job, there's no room left. There's no room left. We're training our, we're training our kids already at this age uh, in America to work more, work harder, get more things done. And my, my, my stand is the magic. Uh, it's okay. It's cool. I'll work with it. It doesn't want to stay up for me. That's all right. I'm good. You got it? I think it was kind of like a... That's, that's fine. That's good. Yeah. I don't know if it was tightening up or not. That's okay. That's fine. We'll leave it. Thank you, sir. I'm going to preach from here. Is this cool? It'll be good. I'm good. Why do we subject ourselves to more and not less? Why do we do it? Why do we give ourselves over to these things? Why do we allow ourselves to continue to be overworked in our life and in our jobs and in our careers and even as students? Why do we do it? Sometimes it's personal motivation. Some of us are just personally motivated to get things done. We're type A personalities, and we just want to work. And we just want to get the next job done. We're on to the next thing. Some of us, it's our job. The demands of our work and our job are just overbearing. The, the, the pressure's on the boss, and the boss's pressure's on the manager, and the, and the manager's pressure's on you. Sometimes it's, um, it's even the economy, right? The economy is, has been on an upswing, but it's not amazing. And what we once could afford does not uh, uh, get us as far as we used to. And so as a result, we feel like we have to work more. i got to pick up that second or third job. Sometimes it's misplaced expectations. We just think that we have this expectation that we have to fill our time with more work and not less. And some of us are plain old just workaholics. We just like to work ourselves. Because it's a way for us to disengage and to separate from, from life at home or wherever the, whatever the thing is that we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid that responsibility. We just want to work. Either way, we know that this is actually rooted in the belief. It's deeply rooted in a belief that we actually believe that we control our own fates. That we believe that we are responsible for all things that come to us. And therefore, we feel like we have to work more and harder and longer. We're, we're told this in marketing every day. Just do it, right? Uh, yes, we can attitudes. And have it your way. These are things that we're told and we're, we're, we're force-fed these things, even just through media, every single day. And we believe it. So what's the solution? Well, loved ones, I'm here to tell you that God has a solution for us. He, he initiated it from the very beginning of time. And that the Lord provides true, lasting rest for his creation. Let's look there in Exodus chapter 20. Verse 8 through 11, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, 
or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you join me in prayer. Father God, Lord of creation, I just call upon you, Lord, this morning in the midst of my weakness, in the midst of my own failings, and I ask, Lord, that you would reveal your word to us, that you would illuminate the scripture this morning. Open our hearts and our minds, Father, to hearing your word clearly this morning. May we, may we be rejuvenated by your gospel today when it comes to matters of life and work and resting in you. I ask these things, Jesus, in your name. And if you agree with this prayer, say amen. Amen. So the Lord provides true, lasting rest for his creation. First, by establishing a holy day. He's established a holy day for it. Uh, Look with me again in verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This idea of remembrance is, a, is an idea of to keep to mind or uh, to, to observe or to honor. Uh, Sabbath is actually um, a word that really means literally to cease, to desist, or just to stop. Remember to stop is what it's saying. It's a day of stopping to observe is this day that the Lord has established. In Hebrew, the word is actually uh, pronounced Shabbat. And if any of you have actually been to Israel before... Uh, they celebrate Shabbat, um, and in Israel, uh, and actually if you're a Jew, you would actually celebrate it on sundown Friday night until sundown Saturday night. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's uh, not everybody, uh, if you're Jewish Orthodox, you typically uh, would, would observe it in the most strictest, the strictest sense. And uh, they actually would uh, celebrate Shabbat in the sense of a way that uh, they literally do no work. Uh, most of the re- a lot of the restaurants are closed down. Uh, a lot of the shops are not available. Uh, there's less workers. And, and as a matter of fact, if you'd even go into a hotel, maybe even Jerusalem, they would actually have two different elevators. And uh, during the uh, when you're celebrating Shabbat every week, uh, there would be the Shabbat elevator and then the regular elevator for us Westerners. And uh, the uh, the regular elevator is one that we would walk into and it'd be normal. You press the button to whichever floor you want to go on. But the Shabbat elevator, because there would be stopping of ceasing of work. They would walk into that elevator, but that elevator stops on every floor, and it's just timed. And so it goes up to the top, every floor, and then it comes back down again. So they don't even have to push a button. That's to the strictest sense of what they would mean to say, stop and do no work. We're going to talk a little bit about this a little bit further, but as to why that perhaps is not the best way to be honoring the Lord, uh, Lord's Day and the, of the uh, Shabbat, or at least in terms of the Sabbath. Um, so that's what you would experience in Hebrew, or at least in Israel. And he says, the Lord says to keep it holy, to keep this day holy. Uh, it is to be set apart, to be consecrated. It is a holy day of stopping to observe. You know, the Sabbath cannot really be holy. We can, we can uh, establish days, but it really cannot be a holy day unless it is ordained by the God who is holy, right? The God himself who is holy and who is set apart has said, listen, I have set a day for you that will be holy like I am. That is the gravity and the nature of this day, is that it is a holy day unto the Lord, a holy God who has established a holy day set aside. Anybody else love Thanksgiving? I I know it's a little early to be talking about Thanksgiving, and we're still in July, but I just, I love Thanksgiving. I love the time with uh, family. 
I love the time with uh, eating food, uh, right? And uh, I enjoy the time that I don't have to work. Most of us are privileged enough to not have to work on that day. And we get the day off, and it's nice. I'm just like, oh, it's a breather. This is wonderful. It's usually the time as we start to begin the holiday season and we begin our, our, our progression towards Christmas. I'm never looking forward to the snow. I never look forward to the cold weather. But I enjoy Thanksgiving, and I enjoy that time together that we have. And I enjoy the holiday. Unfortunately, what we found, though, is that, uh, especially here in America, that our restlessness has been impeding upon the holiday, uh, has been impeding upon Thanksgiving holiday, hasn't it? We find ourselves, uh, the stores are now opening up earlier, or they're opening up all day long, right, to get advantage of the new Black Friday day. Now it's like Black Thursday, or whatever they're calling it now. But it's like another day of shopping. We're like, we can't seem to, like, you mean i got to sit at home, and i and I got to, like, Eat with my family that drives me crazy, right? I can't wait till the store opens so that I can go and leave this crazy farm, right? And then I can go spend some more money on them that I don't even really want to spend on them, but makes me feel good in the process, right? Am I, am I, right? I think we're, I think you're resonating. But it's, this is what's happening is that we're too restless. We're so restless that we're quick to dismiss the holiday that's been given to us so that we can actually celebrate and be thankful for the things that God has given us. Have we done the same to Sundays? Have we done the same to the holy day in which God is set up every single week? He has given us six days to work, and on the seventh, he said, rest. We find ourselves, the Sabbath is a holy day. It's not a holiday, but it is a holy day. A day that God has set apart. A day that God has set apart for us to worship a holy God. For us to be in the community of fellow believers, to encourage and exhort and to worship this God together. It is a day in which it has been set apart so that we can reflect upon the holiness of this God in whom we worship. And yet our restlessness invades the Sabbath and this day that is holy. We spend it on our own pleasures. No, no, I fit in church this morning. Don't get me wrong, right? I got up a little earlier. Trust me, I wanted to sleep in until 10 o'clock today, but I got my butt out of bed. I showed up here at church, right? And uh, I got like three to four, maybe 10 other things I got to do today, right? I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to, you know, we got to get this other party to go do. We got this thing to do, right? Do we invade upon? Sometimes there's even things that we choose to allow that we actually we, we decided to say, you know what? I'm going to go to this thing on Saturday night and it's gonna, I'm going to be up to about midnight, and as a result, I'm not going to go to church on Sunday. I've done it. I've made the choice. And I'm not saying that these things are wrong, but what I'm saying is that the things that we have chosen, and we often choose, is that what invades upon the day of that is holy and set aside for us for rest, we, in our own restlessness, have chosen to disobey it, and we cho- it impedes upon that. When it is a day that is not meant to be spending on our own pleasures, but rather a day to be worshiping the Lord. Okay, this is the first time I told you to keep your finger at Exodus 20. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to look there just briefly. Chapter um, chapter 58, I'm sorry, verse 13 in Isaiah. Scripture is uh, littered with many references to the Sabbath. Um, 
Israel was not perfect at this, um, and neither are we. But the Lord in his grace continues to remind us the importance of what, of what the Sabbath was meant for and why we actually continue to follow it. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14, it says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Isn't that a beautiful passage? That the Sabbath is a provision. It is a provision of rest given to us by God. And he says, listen, this has been, you've been, it is set apart. Turn away from your own, your own ideas and your own pleasures and worship me on this day of holiness. Do not work. Do not try to fit in the extra job. Do not try to, to, to work more on your regular work, but rather spend the day worshiping me on a holy day that I have set aside from the beginning of creation. And take delight in me. The Sabbath is a provision of rest. It's set apart to worship a holy God. Not ourselves. Not ourselves. The Lord provides true, lasting rest for his creation by establishing a holy day. Number two, by limiting our work. By limiting our work. Look with me in uh, verse 9, back in Exodus 20. Verse 9 and 10. It says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. He says, uh, to, to, uh, you do not do any work do, uh, and do all your work. That idea of all work is really referring to business, uh, occupation, the means of your livelihood, the means in which you provide for yourself or your family. It does not mean not to press buttons or not to turn on light switches. It does not mean that I shall cease from uh, essentially existing for that day, but rather a day in which you are to stop your regular work, a day that is your, your occupation, your business, the regular things that you are responsible for. He says to stop and do all your work. And he says he gives us uh, uh, six days to do it. You know, in ancient Israel, they were farmers, they were shepherds, they were blacksmiths, they were tent makers. Uh, this is the kind of occupation which they had, and this is the means of their livelihood. So that means that a day that they would not be farming would be a day perhaps that, perhaps that they would actually have to trust in the Lord for his daily provision to say that I gathered enough during the week that it would uh, suffice for today. That I would not milk my goat today because that is part of my regular work, but know that I had enough milk left over from yesterday that would suffice for my needs today. Right? Now today, we don't. Uh, many of us are not farmers and shepherds and blacksmiths, although those are certainly occupations. Uh, but today, we're doctors, we're engineers, we're in financials, we're uh, management, or even in ministry. And so often, do we actually think about the day of going? Like uh, so many of us are on call. So many of us have jobs in which the cell phone is constantly attached to us, and I can get a call at any moment. And the second that thing rings, I got to be out the door and I got to attend to it. Do people know that today is a holy day? Do people know that today is like, listen, I'm not available. This is a day in which I am not available to, to hear that call and that work will have to work on its own. They'll need to find another solution. Is this a day in which we are as complete a dedication and adoration to the Lord who, who is holy? 
He says he's given us six days to work and labor and not a day more. God in his abundant grace says, listen, we do not serve this ogre in the sky who says, work every single day of your life. Work every single day of your life. Keep on working till you die. And then when you're in heaven, you'll stop working. He's not that God. He says you have six days to work. In my abundant grace in that seventh, take it off. Take a breather. Kick up, kick back, relax. Enjoy what I have given you. That seventh day is dedicated to resting from work. As I mentioned already earlier, the Jews, uh, they, uh, if you're a Jewish, you celebrate uh, the Sabbath or Shabbat uh, from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. So it would essentially be Saturday. As Christians, we celebrate it on Sunday. It's part of our tradition. And the reason for that is because we, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the original Christians were Jews, right? And they continued to celebrate Shabbat on Saturday until one pivotal moment in history. What was it? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed in the way in which we saw the, the Sabbath. Changed the way in which we related to God and said, the Lord has given us much. The Lord, now instead of working six days and resting on the seventh, we now say we rest on the first day and we work for the the remaining six. The seventh day is dedicated to resting from work. And the Sabbath also includes those who are under our care. In verse 10, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Anyone, all those who are under your care, in your home. Parents, your kids working a part-time job on Sundays? Tell them to stop. I know you need the job, but seriously, this is the Lord's day. Take a breather. You work so much during the week. Unless there's another day available to them in which they can actually stop and cease their rest and work. Are you a business owner? Close up shop on Sunday. Can you do it? Are you able to? And even applies to those of us in our community. Do we, are we initiating change in our community that says we value the holy day? We value the day in which God has given us. And therefore, I'm not going to come to your place of business today because I choose not to support that. I choose to honor the Lord. Now, I don't want us to become legalistic junkies here and, uh, to, and to say that we are not to be spending money at any business that's open or not to go out to lunch after church. You're all like, oh, I'm not going to go out to lunch after church now, right? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, like, what is it the moment of our hearts? What is it the motivations of our hearts in this? I actually want to um, share with you, anybody like Chick-fil-A? Anybody go to Chick-fil-A? You can't go there today because they're closed on Sundays. Did you know that? They're closed on Sundays, so go there tomorrow. Chick-fil-A is great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. I'm a big fan of the, the food, but also um, of their organization. And I want to read you this. They're, they're, this is their Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday policy. And they've got a whole policy written about it. And if I can, I want to read it to you. And it says this. Since Truett Cathy, the founder and CEO of Chick-fil-A, opened his first restaurant in 1946, he has made his closed on Sunday policy as much a part of the Chick-fil-A brand as the original Chick-fil-A sandwich. While many question the chain's policy and how Chick-fil-A could forego sales on one of the busiest days for food service, Kathy answers challengers by saying closing on Sunday is one of the best business decisions he has ever made. 
Kathy's practice of closing his restaurants on Sunday is unique to the restaurant business and to a, uh, in a testament to his faith in God. Within the first week of business at his Dwarf Grill restaurant in Hapeville, Georgia, more than 60 years ago, Kathy knew that he would not deal with money on the Lord's Day. Today, he closed on, today the closed-on Sunday policy is reflected in the company's corporate purpose. And it's this, to glorify God by being a faithful steward to all that is entrusted to us, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now, Kathy believes that, giving, that by giving employees Sunday off as a day for family, worship, fellowship, or rest, the company attracts quality people. And people, Kathy says, are the cornerstone of all that Chick-fil-A does as a chain. Chick-fil-A has the opportunity to attract individuals who want to be associated with an organization with a values-based vision, it's purpose-driven, and, and true values, a balance between work and family. Now, in today's business world, the closed-on-Sunday policy may seem like a costly business decision, but... As company sales figures have consistently proven, Chick-fil-A restaurants often generate more business per square foot in six days than many other quick-service restaurants produced in seven. Chick-fil-A has generated more than $3 billion in sales uh, in just 2008, and the chain has enjoyed sales gains for 41 consecutive years every year since the Chick-fil-A restaurant opened in 1967. The question is, if an organization like that can still succeed, does it behoove us to trust in the Lord? Do we have faith in the Lord's provision in our own life? I will tell you that often I fall into this trap, and I will say, no, I don't. I don't trust God. I, I, I have to, you know, when the finances are tight and I start talking, my wife and I are talking, like, okay, uh, do we need to look at another job? Do we have to, do I need to get back in the marketplace or something? And we've had this conversation. And you kind of get this, like, overwhelming feeling. And then I start, wait a minute. We step back and we look, we look back at the calendar for, like, the last, like, month. And I go, okay, when was the last day, I, last time I had, you know, I'm a, I work full time. I'm in seminary. I've got, you know, I, there's a lot of things even on my plate. I'm a, I'm a new dad. And, and I'm like, okay, so let's see. Uh, it's a, I think I've worked like 14 days straight and have not taken a day off. And, and I find myself in that position going, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I've, I've just worked two weeks straight and I haven't taken a single day off. And although I'm like, well, I didn't actually go into the office that day or I actually didn't do, no, but I, it was like in my mind dwelling upon. I couldn't like remove myself from the process of my regular work in which God has entrusted to me. And therefore it says to the Lord, I don't trust you. Meaning, I don't trust you to say that I'm going to leave this alone and I will pick it up on, you know, a day later. I'm going to leave this here tonight on Saturday. I'm going to ignore it on Sunday and then I will come back on Monday and say, okay, I'm ready to tackle this. I don't trust God in that moment. Do we really trust the Lord when it comes to allowing him to limit our work? We tend to reject what is good for us because we lack faith in Christ. We lack faith in the God who provides. He's given us a good thing, and yet we say, I got this. Or, I just can't trust you. We lack faith in it. We lack faith in him. Our unbelief and our disobedience prevents us from experiencing true lasting rest in which he hopes to give to us. Uh, Israel was tested with this in the desert. 
You guys know the story when they were in the desert and they were like, okay, we just made it out after the Exodus. We just parted through the Red Sea. This is incredible, God. Moses, you're amazing. I don't know what you did with that staff, but it was cool. And now here we are uh, in the desert and suddenly what happens? They start to whine and complain. What are we going to do out here in this desert? Where's the promised land? Where are the figs? Where's the meat? What are we going to do? How are we going to eat? God's like, I got you covered. So he sends the manna, right? The daily manna. This mysterious powder dust that would fill, that, it would, that would every single night would, would appear on the next morning on the desert ground. And they would gather it and they would make bread out of that. Bread cakes. And, but God tested them and he said, listen, you will obey my Sabbath. Because I will send it on six days, but on the seventh day, it will not be there. But you will get double and you will be able to gather double on the sixth. And therefore, you will keep it, and it will stay only for the seventh. And so they were tested in this. And Israel's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. So then what do they do? They actually start, they, they went out, and they actually tried to go find it on the seventh day. They didn't keep enough from the sixth day, and then so they said, okay, it's going to be back here. It's the seventh day, and where's the manna? Nowhere to be found. They didn't trust the Lord, but he showed himself to be faithful. And he continued to offer his grace to them. They tested him in this. You know, the thing is that we have a choice in our rest and how we choose to use our rest. You know, does it lead to worship and reflection of God is one of the big questions we need to ask ourselves. Are we found, do we find ourselves uh, leading this choice of our rest? Does it lead to worship and reflection of God? How you choose to rest and how you choose to spend your day in which it is apart from your regular work Does it honor the Lord? Is it something that leads you to worship Him? And is it something to lead you to dwell upon His greatness and His holiness? Does it cause you to, with your heart and your affection, to say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for this day that you've given me. Thank you for the day of being able to to be free from this work for, for one day so that I can enjoy your presence and be with your people. It has some more to do with our motivation. Are we seeking, are we resting in a way that pleases oneself? Or are we resting in a way that seeks holy reverence to the Lord? Remember, it's his holy day. It's a day that he's established. It's a day that he has called us to rest and to be free from work so that we can reflect upon his holiness and his greatness. So just because we take the day off, and just because the rest of the world tends to take Sunday off, not always, but most of them do. Are they choosing to use it to reflect upon a holy and great God? Or to serve our own self-interest? Because we've defeated the purpose. The Lord provides true, lasting rest for his creation by establishing a holy day, by limiting our work, and third, by affirming his holiness. By affirming his holiness. Look with me in verse 11. It says this, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. By affirming his holiness, first as the God who creates. The God who creates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in him, and all that is in them. God is their creator. Look with me at uh, Genesis chapter 2, if you will. Uh, Keep your finger in Exodus. Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 1 and 3. 
very near the beginning of your Bible, probably on the second page, says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What we're finding here is God's just essentially repeating himself in Exodus 20 as one of the primary reasons as to why he affirms his holiness and as to why he has affirmed the, the Sabbath, is that he created it. As a matter of fact, creation was done in six, in six days. He could have left it at that. But God is God, and so as a matter of fact, there is a seventh day. And the seventh day, with the very purpose, was for rest. For him. And all of creation. God chose, he, he made creation in six days, and on the seventh day, he's like, man, I'm exhausted. That's a lot of creating. I will rest. And so he rested on the seventh day. And he chose it not just for himself, but also all of creation. We see also for the very beginning of time, this is even before the fall. Before the fall, God actually created that there would be work involved in, uh, in the Garden of Eden. And as a matter of fact, that the rest and the Sabbath would be already initiated from the very beginning. But it wouldn't just be a physical rest from work, but also one of a spiritual nature. God actually has us to spiritually rest a desire for us to be spiritually rest and to be confident in resting, resting in him and him alone. And therefore, we are able to say that God is, uh, didn't just initiate, create uh, physical rest for us, but also that of a spiritual rest. But come the fall, and once the fall occurred, we then are, of course, subject to the earth. And as a matter of fact, the entire earth then is fallen. And as a result, we then are subject to continue our work as normal, but as also in an anxious state. We work and toil over the fields and in, the, and in this earth anxiously because we are not at a place of spiritual rest. And, God, and God's hope is for us to be restored to that. He wants us to be restored to a spiritual rest. So God, by, he affirms his holiness as the God who creates and secondly as the God who sanctifies. He says in, back in Exodus uh, chapter, uh, chapter 20 verse 11, he says that in all of that... Um, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We just read that as well in Genesis. He blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. It's a holy day. A day in which uh, he, he desires for us to be sanctified within. Uh, look with me uh, in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. We're going to go to the New Testament. Uh, verse 10. Luke 13, 10. And uh, here we see... This is a very well-known passage, an encounter with Jesus. In his teaching on the Sabbath. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching, this is Jesus, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. Just like that, you're freed. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. She glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indigent because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, 
and not on the Sabbath day. He's essentially turning everyone away inside the synagogue by turning them away by saying, this Jesus who you're following and who's teaching in the synagogue and we know that he is performing these miracles and these healings. Go home. It's the Sabbath. We don't heal on the Sabbath. Go home. Come back tomorrow. Then the Lord answers him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. We have to be careful about the teaching on the Sabbath. We have to be careful that we too do not fall into a legalistic trap as the Pharisees did. The Pharisees put up so many parameters that they said, listen, we do nothing on the Sabbath. We don't even push elevator buttons because as a result, because we are afraid that that would dishonor God on the day in which we are supposed to be this holy day before him. This has more to do with our heart than it does our outward actions. The problem is that we tend to find ourselves just as much as we are, 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 we don't believe or we have this belief that we can control our own fate. So often do we try to seek self-righteousness. So often do we think that we can save ourselves by just doing, okay, God, just give me a set of like, like maybe 10 rules. That would be great. I can handle 10. And I'll just obey those to like every possible nth degree as possible. And then I'll be in heaven with you one day and I'll be good, right? How often is it that we approach our Christian faith in that same manner? How often is it that we come before the, you know, the Sabbath day and we go, well, hey, this is, the, this is the Lord's day. I don't do anything on this day other than I go to church and I go home, take a nice nap, and, and I'm good, right? Just because we honor the Lord's day in an outward way doesn't mean that we have been transformed in our heart to understanding what the day's purpose and intent is. The intent of this day is to bring honor and glory to the God who has given us so much when we deserve very little. The purpose of the Sabbath is to point us, listen to this one, loved ones, that the purpose of the Sabbath is to point us towards a greater and perfect everlasting rest with God. You see, the Lord established a physical and spiritual rest in the Garden of Eden. That you would work for six days, but you would have this, and you would physically rest on the seventh, but then you would come to, but you, every single day of your life, though, in the Garden of Eden was at a spiritual rest. There was no anxiety. There was no, there was no um, you know, fear. There was no bitterness or anger. There was no need to, to try to do more or do less. Everything was at perfect harmony and unity within us because there was no sin. And now that sin has entered our world, we now are deluded and our minds are, are persuaded in ways that make us feel like we have to work more and we have to work harder. Or if I just work hard enough at the Ten Commandments, I will then be saved, right? Not the case. It has more to do about our hearts before a holy God that says he puts us at a spiritual rest. And therefore, the Sabbath in which God has instituted through the Ten Commandments is just a picture. He's like, this is a picture, a training ground for us for the day that is going to be a new day. You see, the kingdom of God is here today, 
present before us. Those of you who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you are part of the kingdom of God. And it is here, but it is not yet fully realized. The fully realized kingdom of God is coming when Jesus returns out of the sky. And He returns and He's going to make this world all new again. Brand spanking new. And it will be perfect. And it will mimic that which we have seen from the very beginning pages of Genesis. In which we will work. And I don't know if we'll work for six days and get a day off. Or maybe the Lord's just going to say, hey, take five days off. Work only two. We don't know. But we know that the Sabbath today is only a mere picture of what is to come. Does that motivate us? Does that motivate us to say, I want more of that? How do we get more rest into my life? In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, it says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's Jesus speaking. Again, another rebuke towards the Pharisees. He says, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We are not slaves to the Sabbath. We are not slaves to the holy day. But rather, it was given to us. It was given to you as a gift. A gift in which we do not deserve. The context for all this is that Israel has just been come out of slavery. They were probably working seven days a week, 365 days a year. They had probably long forgotten about the Sabbath. And the Lord reminds them of the gift. For us, are we transformed by the gospel of Jesus? Do we know that Jesus has come? And do we know that Jesus has died on the cross for your sin and for mine, so that we would not have to spiritually work another day, so that we could find eternal rest in Him alone? So that we do not have to fret and worry about when our, the, the next provisions will come for us, and that we will know that we can actually spend a day together as a community of God's believers, and that one that which we can invest into, to say that, Lord, this is your day. This is your day that you have given for me. Sometimes we have a hard time refusing, uh, accepting good things for us. Sometimes we have a hard time with like giving somebody's giving you a generous gift. And we're like, no, 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 thank you, but thanks. I can, I'm good on my own, right? I got this, thank you. Sometimes we have a hard time accepting gifts. This is one that the Lord has given us from the very beginning of time, and He's trying to restore us back to that. Would we embrace the Lord Jesus today? Would we set our hearts around the holiness and the greatness of Him? And commit to him by saying, Lord, you are so good. Thank you for this day. Would we rest in him? Would we find our hope and our rest in him alone? What is the ultimate source? What is the ultimate source of your faith in who provides for your daily needs? It's a question we got to ask ourselves. Who provides? Is it you? Is it mom? Is it dad? Is it my work? Where do we find our identity? Is it in those superficial things and what God has called us to do in terms of our work? Or is it actually in the God who provides? May we take delight in the Lord and salvation through Christ by resting in Him. Will you please join me in prayer? Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord.
for what you have given to us. Thank you, Father, for giving us work and meaning in our purpose in our lives, Father. But also gracing us, Lord, with your unending love and mercy. Thank you for allowing us to have a day of rest and a day of reflection. A day to stop and to sit down and to reflect upon your glory. Thank you for the day to be upon and to be in the presence of other believers today, Lord, and those who are seeking after you with their hearts and their minds. Father, help us, Lord, each and every day to take delight in you, Lord. To take delight in you through our salvation in you, Christ. To know that you are our ultimate provider, Lord, and that we can rest in you today. And even on this very Sabbath day, Lord, help us to make this day holy before you. Help us not to fall into a a legalistic trap, Father, of of shutting out the world, Lord, but may we also um, not be too liberal, Lord God, in in a sense in which we we try to just uh, take light of your grace that's just cheap grace, Father God, because it is not, Lord. You have paid the ultimate price by the blood of your Son, Jesus, so that we could be restored into a right relationship with you and that we would try and find true Physical and spiritual rest in you, Lord God. It's part of your kingdom. As we sang even this morning, the words, it says, Give me grace to see beyond this moment and to see more of who you are. Lord, I pray that for us this morning. Would you give me grace to see beyond this moment, Lord? To see beyond, Father God, the work and the toil and the stress and the anxiety in which I exhibit each and every day to learn to see more of who you are, Father. We ask these things, Jesus, in your great name. Amen.